three, two, one. took everything for me not to laugh when you burped. <laughs> <laughs> Clint and I are doing a podcast with um, one other person named Corey, and the podcast is about Star Trek. It's called Set Podcast the Sun, if anybody is super into me or Clint or Star Trek. Um, but I always, those two are a, quite a bit more... Um, structured and profesh than we are and I always belch like right before the countdown and Clint's always just I always tell him you're so lucky this is all things terror or that would be directly on the recording (laughs) you know being someone who has spent a majority of her working life in quote professional environments it's very, very overrated to be professional. It really is. And I have no idea how I am going to cope when COVID is over. It's almost March 2021 and we're still talking about COVID. But I've been like 100% working from home for a year. And like today I had a meeting and I like turned my mic off so I could just rip ass and (laughs) I felt zero regrets and I was like and then after I was like oh my god this one is something died inside of me (laughs) and and I just turned my mic back on like nothing had happened and I was just like this this will have to end one day like you're gonna have to learn how to hold your farts in again it's gonna it's gonna be awful I don't look forward to that or like if I have a meeting before 10 a.m., like, I'm dressed, I'm there, but I guarantee I haven't brushed my teeth yet. <laughs> I'm like, one day you're going to have to wake up, drink your coffee, eat breakfast, brush your teeth, and leave the house. And I'm like, oh, that is like, I spend half my day just doing that. Like, I work in my pajamas for a little bit. You know, I go and brush my hair. I come back and work. I go brush my teeth. Like, the amount of just, like, scum and slime that I'm gonna have to start taking off in a more efficient manner is really it's it's hard well I have to ask you an important follow-up question uh how many times in the year of 2020 do you think you actually brushed your hair Ooh, I mean I want to say that I brush my hair once a day but I know that's not true. I mean, my my hair snarls really bad, but around October, it was long and I cut it quite short because I was like, oh shit, it's about to go down again and I'm not going to be able to cut it. And so when it's short, there have definitely been days where it's like four o'clock and I'm like washing my hands in the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I'm like, did I brush my hair today? <laughs> that's a bad feeling. <laughs> I wonder how many uh, 10 o'clock teeth brushers there are, too. I hope there's a lot, because there is something kind of nice about, at least for me, I'm sure there are people out there who have to brush their teeth as soon as they wake up, but there's something kind of nice about taking my time, drinking my coffee, 
taking, like, I usually drink my coffee, you know, and then maybe an hour later I have breakfast. And there's something nice about being able to do that before you brush your teeth. I always felt a little cheated that I uh, would, like, drink coffee, brush my teeth, and then this is what I used to do when I went to the office. I'd go to work and work for a little bit and then eat breakfast there. And there was always something frustrating about being like, God damn it, I just brushed my teeth. <laughs> yeah, also, it's, can it's I... like counterproductive. <laughs> yeah. Also, can I tell you one of a deeply held, terrible uh, secret that me, my brother, and my mother, and probably my sister share? I mean, absolutely, I, I need to know that. <laughs> we don't brush our teeth at night. Like, all my life, I have only ever brushed my teeth once a day. That just makes my mouth hurt. <laughs> and here's the kicker. I'm 34. I just had my first cavity. <laughs> I never had braces. My teeth are pretty great. I only brush them once a day. I, I hate you. <laughs> I, my sister's teeth, to be fair, are, like, made of sand. She has had so many teeth troubles. Uh, and so many terrible things. And my mom has quite a few fillings. Um, but my brother has never had a cavity either. He's in his late, mid-twenties. I don't know. It's super, like, I get that it's super gross, but I don't know. Only ever brush my teeth once a day. <laughs> I mean, I floss, and I still have terrible teeth. I really feel like genetics are against me when it comes to my mouth. Yeah, my... I followed all the rules. <laughs> Speaking of terrifying things, I mean, this could be an episode all on its own, and frankly, maybe I should bring her on, but my sister had a cavity, and they did a root canal, and, like, with a root canal, they, like, drill out your roots, right? You have three roots on your teeth. Mm -hmm. They drill it out, and then they put something else on top of it. And, like, a year or so later, she was like, this is killing me, and she went to a dentist, and they, like, I don't know what they did, but somehow they were like, okay, so you have a freak tooth that had four roots that they didn't find, and so it's just rotted in your head for the last year. So they had to, like, do a second root canal for this, like, fourth little thing, but because it had continued to rot, it, like, went up into her jawbone, and she had to have, like, a bone graft. And from a cadaver and then like a skin graft on top of that. And it was like this huge thing. And in the end, they were just like, yeah, you just, it was just a weird freak tooth. How terrifying is that? Mm -mm. I've had root canal and I would not want to go through it ever again. Yeah. So I, my first cavity, I had a root canal and I, one, it, like they numb you out. So you don't, feel the pain but like all day you just felt like you got beat up like you're so like tired and drained and messed up but the dentist like was like okay we're all done and I was kind of loopy and I was like you got them all right like there's not an extra one and he was like haha no and I'm like seriously there was not <laughs> an extra one and he was like no 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 there's I didn't see anything and I don't think I explained to him why I was so obsessed with being like, did you really get all of it? <laughs> Are you 100% sure? <laughs> that poor guy was probably like, that girl was weird. 
Like, you know, if she thinks she knows so much, why doesn't she become a dentist? Like, I'm not trying to backseat drill here, but did you get it all? (laughs) And in that moment, Emily was Karen. (laughs) Speaking of which, welcome to All Things Terror. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm Jennifer. And I'm Emily. And it's been a while since you've heard our dulcet tones and bizarre digressions but here we are and this is a weekly when we're not on breaks podcast that brings you true stories from science history and across the known universe that will keep you up at night and also stories about old-timey diseases and uh and emily's sister's mouth yeah it's almost always not that i plan it but often it this podcast also includes some sort of, like, evidence that I am actually a raccoon in a human suit. Um, and, you know, the teeth adventures were just one more brick in that wall. <laughs> we'll get a we'll get a test done one day. And we'll find out. <laughs> like, it's like a, the 23 and me. Yeah, it's going to be 23 and, they're and like... me. They're go- You're actually a raccoon. <laughs> it's like... Like, 5% Irish, 5% Greek, and 90% raccoon. Hmm. (laughs) So, um, I sent you a link to an article one day. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, do you want to tell everybody the really exciting topic of that article? So the really exciting topic is a, a throwback to season... Four? Season three? Uh, a, a season? Where we a in- season. Where we introduced our first two-parter. Yeah, what what is that hippie song? We had joy, we had fun, we had <laughs> seasons in the sun. For some reason, that's all that's playing in my head right now. Well, this was a I, season in the snow. Season, it was the season in the snow. I think... Season three, I'm going to come out strong, that uh, in the beginning of season three, we started our season in the snow with a two-parter about the Dyatlov Pass incident. And as it turns out, there has been an update after more than 60 years. Updated theory. Updated theory. That comes from real scientists who do more than one science. (laughs) Their their science uh, is not equal to our science, saying that their science is way greater, and our mm-hmm. science is like dust on the floor. Yeah, which is, I mean, that frankly might even be giving us too much credit. Uh, it's the particles within the dust on the floor. <laughs> that sounds about right. Maybe um, like a parasite that eats the dust on the floor. So, um... We also, so we told the story, we discussed some theories, and then I had um, shared what I thought was what happened, which was catabatic winds, and it turns out I'm half percent right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so what the theory goes is uh, they point out, first off, that the 
hikers had to um, cut into the snow to set up their tent. And mm-hmm. um, after basically nine hours after they cut into the snow, um, something happened and everyone that was at that site died, right? So yep. what they think happened uh, is a two-parter. So they think what happened was a slab avalanche. So uh, a slab a- avalanche can be delayed. It doesn't, it doesn't have to have immediately. Um, and they likened it to um, like stacking books uh, on your palm and then eventually one of the books are going to hit this critical angle and they're going to slide off, right? So that's sort of like what happened with the slab avalanche is like there's a top layer of heavier snow and it's sitting on top of this this weaker layer that has become airier because of like the disturbance and the cutting. So then this heavier slab of snow just like falls off, right? Starts sliding down. And, yeah, and like the top part slides down. Like yeah. if you think about like a a pie or a quiche, and if that was really tall and you jiggled it, like the top would fall and slide, but it wouldn't do it right away. So what they did is when yeah, so when they cut into it, they basically cut into this weaker layer and weakened it more, and um, that denser snow was basically just hanging out above this camp waiting to, you know, fall at, you know, the angle that they were in. So the article said that it doesn't need a 30-degree angle to be triggered, which is typical Mm -hmm. for lots of avalanches. It could be close to something like 20 angles, and that would fit about right with the slope of the cut-in and everything. But the question is, why did the slab uh, not get triggered immediately? And, uh, because typically, like, once an avalanche is triggered, like, it's coming down. It, yeah, it's, and it happens right away. So something made the weak layer, uh, in that snow, uh, strong enough to withhold, uh, for several hours before it crashed down. And the theory is catabatic winds. What? <laughs> So these catabatic winds, you know, they, uh, just to do a recap, it's wind that gets pulled down a slope and it's heavier, denser, it gets heavier and denser as it goes down from the top and, uh, cause it's really, really cold. So it's gaining momentum and it starts hitting these lower areas, um, and getting, and they descend really fast because they're gaining that momentum and you know it's hitting this warmer air and just like shit hits the fan when these winds are incredibly incredibly strong so what happened is that the winds could have um built up the snow around the tent and then uh eventually the wind like the winds are basically helping keep up the structural integrity of this you know avalanche waiting to happen and then um, as more and more snow is packed on to this top layer, it finally hits critical mass. Like, it becomes really, really dense 
and just comes crashing down over the tent. So the winds caused snow to pile up on top of a pile of snow that integrity had been compromised by campers digging into the snow to set up camp. Yeah, and there's a... So the the article that you sent me is from Wired, and if y'all Google Wired and Dyatlov Pass, there's a really good computer illustration, too, that addresses another thing we talked about with an avalanche, where you think of an avalanche as just all this snow tumbling down a hill and, like, burying everything at the bottom. But this computer graphic kind of shows how the snow wouldn't tumble so much as like the top part would break off and slide down and in such a way that there's still a huge amount of force coming down which could explain the injuries but it wouldn't necessarily cover the tent yeah so it would it would explain them cutting out of the tent trying to get out because you know avalanche is happening but then also it could explain some of the injuries that are that the bodies they found on the bodies because uh, the impact of the avalanche. It explains why uh, people could have gotten separated and got lost. It would even explain, you know, if people had gone back to the tent at some point. Yeah, well, and it the one of the scientists, I just wanted to read a quote from him because it so makes so, so much sense. So it says um, uh, from the article, but if they'd escaped a relatively small avalanche, why would they flee over half a mile away instead of sticking around to dig out their supplies, especially the boots? Investigators found the group had actually stashed another set of supplies in the forest, so perhaps they'd set out for them in a panic. You start to cut the tent from the inside to get out, says Guame, one of the scientists who did this study. You see there was an avalanche, and then you might be afraid of a second avalanche. And so they may have decided that the best option would probably be to go for the forest, make a fire, and try to find the supply. Yeah, that seems reasonable. And, you know, they're, uh, what we had mentioned before is that they are seasoned, um, you know, hikers. They, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're old pros, so they would know, like, all the things that they're supposed to do in this situation. Yeah, it's the... Right up on Wired is by Matt Simon, uh, just to give him some props. And it really is, I think, a really satisfying, compelling force <laughs> of a theory. I like it. I believe yeah. it. It's a good one. It is. And after our look back, uh, what kinds of things should people expect for season five? Jennifer, do you want to give them any hints? Um, well, one of our favorite groups show up again in season five, um, the mm-hmm. Victorians, naturally. <laughs> our favorite, I like favorite groups because we do get a lot of joy out of them, but I don't think we'd want to hang out. Um, you can definitely expect, uh, alcohol and beer. Mm-hmm. There's some, um... Some critters, Sorry, spirits. maybe? Spirits and beer. Spirits, in both sense of the word? Yes, and, and definitely some critters. Um, Emily gets a second to talk about werewolves. Mm-hmm. There's a... Um, there's definitely some people who disappear. Um, there's some more evidence that nature is trying to kill us. There's just all the greatest hits remastered and reimagined. But not in the Star Wars way. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to do this. 
We're gonna do this reboot right. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I mean, lots of trailing, winding stories. Uh, before episodes, lots of lots yeah. of roasting Clint. Yep, roasting Clint. I mean, where would we be if we couldn't roast Clint? Uh, I often say that this is a podcast. I'm one third of the podcast, and I think of you and Clint as the other two thirds. Um, but also just content wise, one third of our content is roasting Clint, and he loves it. He loves it. We should have a roasting Clint compilation one day. <laughs> a Clint roast? <laughs> a Clint roast. Well, we definitely passed 50 episodes, which felt like a huge milestone. I think episode 50 was actually our first Corona special, which is kind of a bummer. Um, But maybe for our our 100th episode, we can just have a Clint roast. Really? We've done that many episodes? Yeah. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real at all. Um, Much like the terror that we'll revisit upon you in the coming weeks. The... The all things terror. The months of all the things that are terrifying. (laughs) Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever.